Today, we're talking about the very first thing necessary for a strong, healthy, robust, lasting identity, self-identity. Stay with us. So, if it's morning where you're at, good morning to you. It's morning here, and we're glad that you're with us today on All Things Apostolic. I'm Dr. Nathaniel Wilson, and we have a good time here. So we're glad you joined us. If it's first time, please don't make it the last. There is a, a lot of great content that has already uh, been put through All Things Apostolic, and um, this isn't just a little chat session. Well, sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. Uh, we try to do something substantive, and uh, we talk about, sometimes we talk a little bit about Wilson University. We talk about revival in different churches across the country, uh, as well as here in Sacramento, where we are uh, broadcasting from. And so in all of this, we're glad that you are with us. We have been on a little journey here in talking about uh, you and your identity, you and your identity. So <clears throat> identity is a tremendously big subject uh, in terms of importance. Uh, probably everything we do in life is impacted by our personal view of our own identity. And it's a large subject. There's a whole lot of things that could be said about it. And we're going to try to say things that really are helpful in understanding identity. Uh, probably how much confidence we have has to do with identity and um, how high quality our identity is, our view of ourselves. Uh, maybe we can define a little bit about what we mean by quality after a while, but um, how high that quality of identity is uh, can depend on a lot of things. It can depend on, for example, uh, a big one is environment. Uh, how, how are we raised and um, <clears throat> what things were poured into us, what contributions were made that helped to form our identity of ourselves. Uh, there are some parents who probably have contributed to their children being narcissists, where all they, they just think the whole world revolves around them. And when you become an adult, that becomes a serious problem because I don't want to disappoint you, but the whole world does not and is not going to revolve around you or me. So we have to find our place in that world. On the other hand, uh, we've talked a little bit about the fact that people's identity is determined uh, in a negative way, uh, where the parents do the opposite of telling their kid they're the greatest thing in the world. And uh, that is when they call them uh, bad names and tell them they're stupid and tell them they don't know anything and they never will and you never will be anything and on and on goes the list of things that this child looks to its parents to tell them what, they're, what they are and what they look like and, and, and how they appear to be and 
so forth. And so, uh, so parents have a big responsibility in giving a healthy view. Now, that's not the only thing, because when we get a little older, we may recognize, my parents told me this, but that's not right. Or if it's the narcissistic side where the, the child thinks they're just everything and nobody else is anything, they may go to school and get punched in the nose and they begin to, by somebody says, hey, back off, you don't run the world. So, so, um, so there's other ways of learning about identity that can be difficult and challenging. The, um, the other side is, is that if someone has been raised feeling like they, their identity is that they are dumb or stupid or that they can't learn or that they're ugly or whatever these negative things are that can be put on a person. When they get older, there are many of these people that overcome that. They, at first, they live with that. But as they grow, they recognize they may be smart. They may be do good in school. And it dawns on them, I'm doing better than most of the people in this class. So there, there is factors here that uh, sometimes moderate in a good way. Uh, negative factors have been put into somebody as to their identity and as to their possibilities and their future. All of this is greatly important if a person grows up and does not have any, they become an adult and they don't have any self-confidence and they, their view of themselves is just totally negative and there are people like this and um, uh, then they struggle with depression, what life has no meaning, I have no purpose, I have no future, I am dumb, I can't do anything, um, <clears throat> uh, then that becomes a problem. And uh, oftentimes we have noted that low self-esteem is a very difficult problem to resolve. And um, counseling therapy, uh, uh, it's a challenge for the counselor to be able to help people to develop not a prideful self-esteem, but a healthy self-esteem that I am a child of God and I'm a human being in this race with equal rights and pretty much equal abilities to most everybody else. Um, and where they at least feel like they've got a ground under their feet to start on the journey of life. But it's a very difficult thing when people have been raised with, with total browbeating uh, or lack of encouragement of any kind. And... Um, uh, some respond, but then those that don't, that's where the difficulty is. So, so how can we overcome even the worst of identity problems? I may be talking to somebody today, you feel like, man, I, I'm just nothing. How can we overcome maybe even the worst of identity problems? Well, first of all, on all things apostolic, you've got to remember, you're going to get a biblical worldview here. We believe the Bible is the Word of God and that it has wisdom above all other books and that it is the only book that tells us that history and mankind, history has a plan and mankind has a purpose. There's no other book that does that. And there's, uh, I'm not going to get into this right now, but there's three views of the earth that have been throughout history. Uh, and uh, two of them 
do, do not give hope that there's a plan, that there's an ultimate purpose and a consummating fulfillment of a planned uh, structure of how things are going to be at the end, and that it's positive. That's another important thing, that it's a positive ending. So uh, only the Bible gives us that view and that understanding, and it goes into great detail about this. Much of the Bible is about this. Many people don't even know that. It's about the establishment of the positive kingdom of God on the earth, and ultimately that it's going to be here forever and that we will be participants in it, and that eternal life is ours. We won't have to fear bad health. We won't have to fear danger, and we won't have to fear death. And we will have purpose, and we will be involved in the carrying out of the governmental administration of God's kingdom. All of that is in your Bible. So when I say that, excuse me, when I say that, I am, I am coming from that biblical worldview. Outside of that, you have a worldview of history that is, one of them is just circular and uh, the other is evolutionary and that it has no hope at the end. And the circular one is one that's, that's just loops. It, you just go through loops forever, but you never really get anywhere. And uh, in days of old, that was very popular in uh, uh, China, very popular in other places, India, uh, different facets, different ways that the loop idea works. So we know that history is linear. It has, it starts here and it goes here and it consummates in a purpose that goes back into eternity. And and that actually there is a plan for us throughout eternity that is positive. <clears throat> so how do I get in that? How, how do I become a part of that? Well, the first thing I would say, um, and this is not specifically an evangelistic kind of uh, talk today, but the first thing is you've got to be, you've got to be saved. You've got to be born again. And as we've often said, the first Adam found in Genesis created by God, whose wife was Eve, the first Adam failed and his failure was like contagious and it transfers to the whole human race. When you're born, you don't have to have done anything wrong to already be under the curse of sin. It's like inheriting uh, a disease from a parent that it, it, it's contagious and it, it passes from generation to generation. So the only way out of that what, that, what that Adam, what Adam gave to us was death. Well, then the Bible talks about the second man, the last Adam, which is Christ. So there's two federal heads of the human race. And you're either in this family of Adam 1 or you're in this family of Adam 2. To get in the family of Adam 1, you have to be born of the flesh. You're born out of your mother's womb. And then to get in Adam 2, you have to be born again, John 3.3 3 and John 3.5. You must be born again. And then he says you must be born of the water and of the spirit. And this happened on the day of Pentecost. So, so the first thing a person 
finds their identity in the new family with the with the father, a daddy. Here we go. A daddy that has triumphed over man's worst enemy, which is death. He's already triumphed. He went there on purpose. Now, Ted Turner and others in the past, the, the, the great communications mogul, said one time that um, I can't be a Christian because its leader was weak and he, he, they killed him. He, he died. He failed. Um, which simply showed his ignorance of, of Scripture in that Jesus submitted to the worst weapon the enemy had and took the blow, which was death, and then conquered it by rising from the dead and conquering death and living forevermore. So this is the biblical picture here. Um, and so Jesus becomes uh, the father of the second family, which has eternal life. So we cry, Abba, Father, when we're born again. We're speaking in tongues. We're, we're crying, Abba, Father. We're acknowledging our new identity. We have a new language, and we are born again. And and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 said, all things are become new. We are a new man. We are a new woman. We are a new species. Um, and so this is, uh, this is key to identity. Now, your identity starts with, this is the family I'm a part of. I'm a part of the most triumphant family in the history of the world. So actually, going to church or reading your Bible and finding God and being born again of the Spirit, repenting and getting a preacher to baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. This is just what the Bible says. Uh, and then you receive the Holy Ghost, and they receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And this is yours. This is the, the fastest growing religion in, in the world since 1970 has been Pentecostals, people who are receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues until there are close to 700 million that have, uh, that have said, yes, I am Pentecostal, so, which is about almost 10% of the world's population. So I'm not talking about some little out-behind-the-barn cultic deal of a bunch of whacked-out people that never had any education. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm talking about the reality of the universe. I'm talking about what really matters. And compared to what I'm talking about, what happens in the courts of the Supreme Court or what happens in the, in the uh, buildings of the government in D.C. Or, or any other capital of the world is extremely secondary, a, a vastly second compared to what I'm talking about. This is central. Uh, this, is, this is mainstream. From heaven's view, this is main line, what I'm talking about. This is where your identity starts. Don't let it, somebody cut you short and say, nah, you don't need that. Just smile and don't worry. Everything will be all right. It won't be all right. You need to be empowered. And the Holy Spirit in you empowers you. It empowers you and it enables you. That's And gives you favor with God. That's the definition of grace. Favor, enablement, empowerment blessing. Uh, God gives that to us, and that's what comes with 
our salvation. And that's the beginning of establishing our identity.